0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the GMS Magazine Podcast. I am Paco Garcia, your host, and this is the RPG Interview Room, a podcast in which I interview cool people in the world of role-playing games. Today, I have with me Mark Longworthy. Um, he's an award-winner designer, not just an award-winner, but any winner. And um, he's paired up with Mantec Games, to create a role playing game based on Mantic's universe. Uh, Mantic is well known for creating board games and skirmish, sort of um, tabletop may- games with, with lots of miniatures and tiles and all sorts of things, but they have a very, very rich universe based on the world of Panifor. That's Mark has designed it, deserves its own role playing game, and he's right. I read recently the Quick Starter Rules and I enjoyed them quite a lot. In fact, if you go to the YouTube channel, and there is a link in the show notes, you can see a video review of what these Quick Rules are like. And hopefully you will enjoy it. Um, at the time of recording and releasing this podcast, there's still over 10 days to go for the project and it's pretty much funded so it's a done deal listen to the interview i think you will hear a few interesting data that will hopefully sway you into backing this project that promises to be really really nice thank you very much for being there and i will talk to you at the end of the interview Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Sir, I have never ever in my entire podcasting life had you in my show
1: before. How are you doing? I'm um, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on, Paco. It's
0: um it's a pleasure because I am very interested in what you're doing. But uh, the thing is because I don't really know you. Uh, I don't know how good you are at answering questions. So we're going to do a little bit of an exercise to answer some questions to make sure that you know how this works, and uh, then we'll get going. So, uh, question number one: You're British, so you—I sh- I think I know what the answer to this question is going to be: uh, Tea or coffee? Oh,
1: uh, coffee
0: actually. Oh, oh my God! What kind of Briton are you? This is. <laughs> Okay. Um, one, I
1: think.
0: <laughs> okay, fine. That's 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 a good answer. A very good answer. Anyway, right. um second
1: question. Uh the mountain or the beach? Ooh, that's a very tough one. Um definitely the beach, uh, from surfing in my youth. Okay.
0: Third questions. Uh motorbikes or cars?
1: And that's a really tough one. Um I'd have to although I don't have the licence, I'd definitely say motorbike.
0: Okay, that's also acceptable.
1: Uh, this
0: is uh, getting a little bit harder. Fantasy or science fiction? Fantasy. Okay, fantasy. I thought it was harder, but no, it isn't. And now, last but by no means least, vampires or zombies?
1: Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, um, I'll go with zombies on that one because it's a genre our family quite particularly enjoys. So. Okay,
0: good. Right, so uh, we have established that you can answer questions which well, is a see. very important part of the interview really <laughs> Right now nonsense aside um, you currently have a game on Kickstarter, Kings of War based on the Mantic universe uh, now I have read the quick rules that you very kindly sent to me uh, a couple of weeks ago and we can talk about the rules and everything but I'm very interested in finding out first of all what is your connection with Mantic and Kings of War? Why did you decide to go for this game?
1: Um, so Kings of War, in particular, um, Ron and myself kept uh, been bumped into each other uh, a bit, like myself and, and yourself, really. Back we were at conventions, um, kind of in passing, so we'd say hello and you know see each other's faces. And um, a, a couple of times, I approached Ron and said, look, you have this great fantasy IP. Um, would you be interested in making a role-playing game? Um, and we never kind of really got together to solidify plans. Um, and then towards the end of last year, I um, stepped onto the Kings of War Vanguard Rules Committee uh, and kind of helped shape that game post Kickstarter. Um, and I also won my any towards the end of last year, which was a kind of great honour as well. Um, so mm. I kind of took the took the package to Ronnie and said, Hey, you know, I'm the Rules Committee. Um, I've won an award, so you can kind of see that I hopefully know what I'm doing. Um, so we kind of sat down and had a serious chat from there, and it, you know I've, I've had I've, I've had a real good grounding in, in Mantic um, Mantic's wide range of, of products uh, for a good few years, um, thanks to a local Pathfinder living nearby, so it, it all just kind of naturally it, it came together really.
0: What has it been like working with them in order to create a new product? Um, because I know that the Mantic universe is evidently quite rich, but their specialities is kind of board games, war games. Were they familiar with role-playing games and the development of, of, of RPGs, or has it been a really steep learning
1: curve? Um it's, I mean, first off, Mantic are, are absolutely brilliant to work with. Um, they have some really passionate uh, people working in the background that you don't get, really usually get to see. Um, but they're, they're very into opportunity. Uh, we've, we've a great connection with Winged Hazar, who are Mantic's kind of publishing branch for novels. Um, so it's been great to kind of work in that triangle to bring the whole package together. Um, and that's really where I've stepped in, because Mantic, like, as you've already said, they specialise in board games and skirmish rule sets and war games. Um, and they really were looking for somebody to step forward and, and take on that RPG expertise to develop into areas that they perhaps knew um, they, would, they, were, they, were, you know, they were uncomfortable with themselves.
0: And what has it been like for you to develop something from an already known universe to do something that wouldn't clash uh, too much with their rule sets and their lore, their absolutely everything?
1: It's um, daunting to start with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's yeah, it's bit again. It's been a real honour and privilege. Um, and it's it's we, we kind of when we sat down to, um, as in myself and my partner, our, our kind of in-house team to to conceive Kings of War, the role-playing game. Um, beyond myself and Ronnie talking, there were kind of a key, few key steps um, or key elements we wanted to to hopefully um, bring new players to the setting, but also. Uh, you know, um, give something back to the fans that that love the setting as well. on um, one of those that we wanted we the epic scope because it is, is an epic setting. Um, so we kind of brought that into the campaigns where players become the, the kind of kings or queens of their um, particular campaign. Uh, not that's that, that's where they have to go if they don't want to. Obviously, it's it's an open world and, and a very sandbox setting. So that's that's what we wanted to bring in the epic scope. Um, and also the crossover elements. They have some fantastic games uh, already in in, in the um, setting in, in Panport. So we wanted to be able people to be able to access those through the RPG if they if they wish to. Um, uh, like I say, it's been quite a, quite a daunting project, but um, very very rewarding. Well, I mean, thus
0: far, uh, taking a look at the quick rules, thus far, it, it is looking like a very polished, finished kind of. Product evidently, I don't, I don't have everything that you're going to publish, but it seems like uh, the the direction that you are taking the game is pretty clear. It's, it looks like it's finished.
1: Um, we're we're undergoing playtesting still, and that probably to be honest, that will probably be the case until um right up until we're pretty much ready to print. I think. Yes. Um. So a lot of the, the kind of the hood work has been done, and we've we've been playtesting for a long, long time now, um, with various groups from around the world, really, um, both from um, people familiar with Mantic and and also people not familiar with Mantic, um which which has helped to give it that polished feel. Uh, and like I say, we, we'll, we're we I very much to tackle projects as a collaborative effort, so it, you know I might think that something's a great idea, actually. It might sound a great idea to myself, but not particularly to other people. Um, which generally, when a partner steps in, she's kind of like, no, you need to think about this um, to keep me grounded. So, yeah, it, I, I, I'm, you know, I appreciate that you've kind of taken that from the quick start, and that's that's very uh, kind of gratifying to hear. Thank you, Michael. Um,
0: well, the, the the thing about the quick start um, rules is that when I was reading them. Um, I feel sometimes when people publish these kind of rules is that they are very restricted to uh, just the adventure that they're going to publish or just to give you a little glimpse. Uh, but the thing is if um, you are just those rules to a game, they're pretty much there yes there is information that's lacking of course we we don't have a whole list of powers we don't have a whole list of spells that sort of thing but the combat is all there the um the how to handle
1: challenges is all there yeah it's i mean the quick start was a tough one to know what to kind of want to include for people to get a taste of what we're aiming for Mm-hmm. And also what to leave out, so it, it's it's a really tough balance. And um, hopefully we've kind of struck a nice balance. Um, I mean, even i thought you know, I think hopefully you've seen from the quick start that we like to give plenty of options. So we're not trying to tell people how to play. It's just kind of if you want to play this way, maybe you'd like to use this. Um, sorry, Paul.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's something that I also enjoy quite a lot. Um... Of, of of reading the rules. I mean, you, even in such a small space, you've managed to give people. You know, if you want more tactical combat, then do this. And if you want some optional rules about you know uh, the mishaps and the, dirt, the dares. the um, theirs. How is the game going to be different when it's published, in, in the sense of what's missing in this quick pools? Why should people back the project to get more?
1: So we couldn't squeeze all of the options into the quick start. Um, that's, that's definitely one thing. Um, so the, the tactical element is in the quick start, and that's to, um, to hopefully kind of, like I say, reward people that will be familiar with both Mantic and other um, traditional pen and paper RPGs. Um, but in so in the core book, we'll provide options where you can have a more narrative style of combat, so it can it can really free flow between uh, the keywords and the and the GM and the players telling the story using the keywords and elements to to drive the combat, mm-hmm. um, rather than specifically run on dice rolls and um, interpreting every roll. Um, again, that's the same with social combat. So um, say social combat, social encounters. So uh, we'll. Look at, kind of structures to build relationships which is um very particularly prominent when the players are aiming towards becoming rulers and or prominent people within in the setting um you know kingdoms and queens and kings will need to establish political boundaries and um, uh, all sorts of tasks that i need to to look at um, in the later stage of the campaign uh, powers we, we really delve into So I mean They're, they're are, are really kind of the Two things that I Really am passionate about For this system of the keywords And powers um, So Powers and, and The options that you can Introduce with the um, NPCs and creatures There are, are, are A great fun as well
0: tell me a little bit about the rules the Tricore system how does it differ from the rules that you use to play Mantic Board and Squirmish games
1: Um, so initially when we sat down with Tricore, I kind of tackled it from a superhero genre and it 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 was um, a bit of an eye opener taking it to various conventions and listening to lots of feedback Um, so we really stripped the system back and tackled it from, from a a very basic um, concept and built it back up um, and in particular as we went to, headed towards Kings of War we built it back up by, um, again going back to the keywords there, they're a great role playing um, narrative driving force um, as well as as a mechanic driving force. Um, but they've allowed us to draw on elements within the other systems of of Mantic that people would be very familiar with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so they not only provide a keyword and a bonus from the game, but actually you can then specifically relate that to uh, Dungeon Saga or Vanguard or, or Kings of War, the war game itself, um, which is where we, we've worked on pulling that crossover element in.
0: Um, the Tricor system is a dice pool based uh, system, and I know an awful lot of people who, for reasons that are perfectly valid for them, don't like dice pools. W- what would you have to say to those people to convince them that you know this dice pool system is actually pretty
1: cool? Um, I'd say give it a try, really, if you can watch the, the playtest video we have up at the moment, and um, just give it a try from the more narrative angle rather than the mechanical um, view of the dice pool. Um, and I, I completely understand, you know, people's perspective on dice pools versus um, single successes. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd just say give it a try and, and really, really try and use those keywords to draw the narrative as much as they add to the dice ball. So hopefully they, they allow you to get into character. Um, yeah, we've had some great, great RPG sessions with people just, just having lots of fun with the, with the keywords to help, not only help narrate the action they're undertaking, but also get them into character for the, for the um, particular character that they're playing. Are the keywords
0: something similar to aspects in Fate, for instance?
1: Um I wouldn't say I'm familiar with Fate Sorry. Um I have it on my shelf. It's a system I've never played and, and would love to play. Um
0: I'd, I'd be led by you, the Paco, to be honest. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. Um, it, it feels like they could be, but they're a little bit specific. As um, uh, you summon the keyboard, the, the keyword to obtain a specific result. Uh, when you uh, use a payback point, um, and then that payback point is going to give you a little bit of a trouble of a miss, uh, you know, of an obstacle, not not enough okay. to hinder the advancement. Uh, whereas an aspect in in fate. That what you do is to summon, to invoke that aspect to be able to get a result that otherwise it would be harder to do. Like, for, for instance, if you say uh, your aspect is tough as nails... Yeah. Uh, and you are in in combat. You can invoke that aspect when somebody uh, punches you in the face so hard that you would fall unconscious okay. to say, no, actually, I want to reroll my resistance role so I can resist this thing or I can add success to my resistance role to 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 um, to not fall unconscious because I'm, I'm tough as nails. This oh. is that sort of thing so uh, it, it works slightly differently but I guess the narrative element to it it could be utilized within game yeah, yeah.
1: totally yeah um I, yeah, I could see the definite drawing the similarities there um, I guess they have different influence on the mechanics in different ways
0: yes no no absolutely yes because um, the, the the power words and uh, the the uh, the keywords that you use in the tricore, they are either going to give you more dice to roll, or they're going to take away some dice. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So that that would make it harder or simpler to get more more successes. Um, <laughs> I tell me a little bit about the character creation in in the game because there's um, for obvious reasons there's nothing in the Quickstar rules. How how is character creation handled?
1: Um, so again, we've we've really streamlined character creation um, to just allow, allow people to get straight into the action without um, you know spending hours on character creation. But but the keywords again will allow people to um, uh, really build that. Character um, background for themselves, and, and you know, the, the role-playing traits and tips for themselves. Um, it's called Tribe Core because the the core dose board you've mentioned is is based around 3d10. Um, so there are the core stat, the core um, ranks within each each of the three stats: um, body, mind, and social. Um, and then players can choose either body a mod or Social as their key key stat um, and that gives them a couple of extra ranks to add in to, to buy some more keywords um, and there, we have options in there for people to be able to perhaps reduce one of the um, stats so their actual dice pool can be lowered to 2d10 um, initially um, to perhaps buy more powers within their uh, archetype which is like their character class um, or additional skills Um, So you'll have a kind of core stat, a secondary stat, and then your your tertiary stat which has uh, no ranks in. Um, You'll select a uh, certain amount of trades or skills. Um, And then your your kind of race or species um, will add in um, a a few of the bonuses in terms of keywords within your stats, and then a couple of trades. all tailored to that kind of feel of um the the kind of descriptions of mantics um you know well-known and blood races uh and then you can choose a couple of powers based on your archetype which which at the moment we have from kind of berserk or barbarian all the way through to the um the wizard um and then each each archetype power will um, will have a different game effect depending on the scenes or scenarios.
0: And how is character advancement? Is it going to be a levelling up or just increasing the skills and the abilities? How, how is that going to work?
1: Uh, we've kind of tackled it from outwards and upwards really. So character advancement, we're looking at milestones within each of the campaigns. Um, So characters will go from kind of tier one to tier four, um, and tier four kind of being a legendary epic level. Um, But they can also grow outwards in terms of the number of keywords they collect um, and skills they they gain as well.
0: So it it should make it um, fairly simple to know when to to advance the character, it's not like in D and D that you have to keep track of all the experience points, and then some people will advance and some people may not, and it can be a little bit fiddly. To yeah, no, it's
1: it's it's, again we'll try to streamline as much as possible, um, just keep keep the narrative flowing really. So uh, again, it's you know I I, I like go back to collaborative efforts. Um, I, I try to tackle my games that. I'm a storyteller at heart, and every time I approach the game, I try to tackle it as if we're all telling a story, and you know, it's, it's everybody's, um, everybody's narrative, really. So, hopefully, that's come across the XP sort of things as well. Okay. Uh,
0: actually, one question I had uh, before I forget uh, this is specifically about the rules. Um, in the rules, uh, the Quickstar rules, it says that when you roll one or a six, you get a payback point yeah that you can use later on is it a one and six only or does it depend on the uh, difficulty level that the gm sets for any given role
1: um so six is a fail forward so you'll gain a success and a payback um and then the one is is always uh, a payback um but yeah it's it's it that's regardless of uh, the difficulty
0: okay so if, if i decide that climbing a wall is going to be a difficulty four yeah, I, I roll a four. The number four doesn't generate a payback. It would have to
1: be a six. That's that's correct. Yeah. So uh, okay. two, two to five is just a, a, a no success. It uh, doesn't add or or add, doesn't add payback. Doesn't add a success.
0: Okay. Um, magic. Yes. Tell me about magic. How is it going to work? Um, because I can see the tricore system are uh, working really well for very very cinematic magic effects how
1: how are you doing this um it's probably a most sensitive area because um because kings of war players are generally kind of used to spellcasters checking out the front and center um whereas we need to put some measures around that for the rpg um so it doesn't dominate the, the, the session um it's and I think you, you summed up very nicely within the um, video again thank you thank you for the um, but we've tried to make it as in as intuitive to the system as possible as in um, related to the core system so there's no will kind of springboard into a, a completely separate system um, and by that I mean we're, we're using keywords to um, help cast the spells help boost the spells and um, and and then also a number of successes on the basis base of that as well. Um, and then we, we have a thing called tie, which isn't. We didn't really want to introduce it for the quick start. There's only so much we could cram in, and we were just wanting people to have fun with the quick start rather than um, rather than get into the kind of, I guess, what um, do I, don't, I don't want to say? The kind of more restricted elements. It's it's not. It's it's a, a way of. Um, controlling I guess the level of magic that, that people can throw around so obviously tradition D&D you have a set number of spells per day mm-hmm. um, per level and then work through them and, and as they get used they're lost um, so in this in Kings of War we're looking at a, a system um, where spellcasters can cast um, quite happily really and, and so it's only when they start generating serious amounts of payback which is where the, uh, the mentioned tithe comes in so the tithe is, is a uh, kind of exhaustion effect on them on their mentally and physically um, so the more the more kind of breakdown they have in spell casting the more it will affect them and, and the, the less they'll be able to cast and so eventually they're just worn out for the day basically and they need to rest um, so you could you could kind of go through an encounter and, and cast a few spells and not push yourself too much whereas if you, you're really desperate then you might want to fill out a few powerful spells and that will drain you for the day and, and you kind of need to take a break but um, and time is, is directly related to stress, which is which is one of the elements that we've built in to represent kind of mental and uh, deeper physical exhaustion of people.
0: Um, what are the playing races that are going to be in, in the
1: game? Um, so we've got humans broken down into a few of the regions, um, because there are lots of different regions for across uh, we've got dwarfs and then again elves, we've uh there are quite a lot of kindreds within uh, massacre, or, for itself. Um, self. um okay. we've got um, halflings, uh niads. Um, somebody's mentioned centaurs or again that's we're gonna look at balancing that to see where we can go with that. But, uh, Ogres are an NPC race at the moment but there, there's nothing there to be able to make it a playable race um, within the core uh, itself uh, there's a, there's a, a, a real digress rate really um, I, I mean I'd say mainly a lot of it is broken down by regions of humans and elves um, and we're also building in uh, because of alignments um, we're not running on strict alignments it's, it's when um, I want to say strict alignment it's the kind of traditional 10 alignment aspects that people might be used to through D&D um, and it was a very early discussion with Ronnie in that we wanted to um, relate to the Kings of War alignment so a, a dwarf will will never work with a goblin within the game um, one is you know, traditionally viewed as good although they have their own view of good um, even the Brazilians who are kind of like the traditional paladins and um, godly driven or angelically driven um society they're they're quite harsh and strict with their judgments so while they they view themselves as good it's it's not necessarily that other people view them as that um so we're we're working on that kind of 3 alignment basis good neutral and evil and then allowing people to use their characters and keywords again to to role play within that aspect
0: um
1: and um, obviously providing guidelines. You know, if, if people want to go out and have fun and, and have a dwarf working with a goblin, that's that's down to them. It's you know, we're not, we're not, again, like I say, we're not here to say this is how it must be played. It's just, um, just offering guidelines to, to the world and, and the setting.
0: Um, tell me about a little bit the um, the organisation of the book. What can people expect to find when they get their hands on it? Um, I'll just pull up the uh,
1: page breakdown for you. I really kind of verbatim, um, but yeah, we've we've got some unique elements. So there's there's a full timeline of Panop now, now, um, which we've uh, kind of worked romantic to to produce. Um, it's I don't think it's ever been seen. I know what well, I know. It's never been seen before in in its the form it will be within the book. Um, we'll kind of have a walkthrough of Panaphor itself. So from the the pri- rather defined um, timeline, we'll have a walkthrough of the you know, the ages and, and the races and. Um, the history of, of some of those from the tribal basics again all the way through to character creation and the breakdown of skills and archetypes um, some of the kind of gear and equipment that people can have fun with um, then GM guidance for um, expanding on the action and drama that's mentioned in the quick start and some of the options I mentioned earlier um, there's a there's a big chunk of magic, um, including some of the spells that, because we're, the, the spells will obviously expand beyond the quick start. Um, and there's kind of like a universal school that, that most of the uh, spellcasters will get access to. Uh, tips for gemming. There are some kingdom building guidelines which, which will help um, gems with, and players really, with, with the campaigns that, um, that we will be uh, introducing. Uh, there's a small say small, um, there's a Pistario section of, of enough creatures for gems to have fun with and, and hopefully springboard from for their own creations um, and then the appendix the appendices will be uh, the crossover rules for the Dungeon Saga Vanguard and
0: Kings of War Okay, so it sounds like it's going to be a pretty complete book how many pages did you expect it to to reach?
1: Well, we, we've Budgeted for 320, um, okay. but well, yeah, it's it's looking like it will expand through the Kickstarter, So uh, which, which is good all around really. Um, yeah, really excited about it.
0: Good. Um, now, uh, the Kickstarter is already going on. It takes uh, the time of recording. It still has another 13 days to go. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about the campaign itself. What are the pledges and the... Um, the place levels and um, what can people expect to get?
1: Um, well one exciting piece of news is that we've just introduced a Kickstarter exclusive cover. Mm-hmm. Um very proud of that, to be honest. Um, we have so we have a, a traditional kind of PDF level and at that level we're offering a the, the tricore rule set in in full PDF form, um, in the, the three hundred and twenty-page book that we just mentioned. Um, and then also, a kind of full 5e conversion for folks that want their, their rule set 5e flavoured. Um, there's the um, print and PDF pledge level, which we've just um, had some excellent um, products added to by Mantic in the form of the uh, Vanguard Digital Rulebook. Um, so that's £35 for the print, um, print version, PDF version, plus the, the bonus from Mantic. Uh, the £60 pledge level is the kind of all-in at the moment, which is the, the print core book, the PDFs, um, the GM screen that we're producing, um, an A2 poster map which has Francesca Berold's, uh or will have Francesca Berold's map on it. Um, she produces some absolutely gorgeous um, artwork. Uh, and a, a set of uh, tricolour dice, which we have a competition running for to help with the colours and logo. Cool. Uh, then there's a 115 pound pledge level, um, which is kind of all of the above plus Dungeon Saga at a uh, an excellent price. Um, if people would like the tile sets and, and miniatures that that will uh, kind of expand on their game, um, and I, I should mention really, I guess that we're we're looking at including um, some. Dungeon Saga, Dungeon Cross, win the campaign. So it's you know it's an option to say, oh, we might only have an hour to game tonight. So uh, rather than you know rather than trying to condense an RPG session into that, let's break out the Dungeon Saga, bust into a dungeon and, and grab a piece of equipment that will help our our group later on in the uh, in the campaign. So.
0: And for the record, listeners, I do have Dungeon Saga, the game, as you may see in the video, the review yeah. video, and it's an absolutely excellent game. It's very very good.
1: It is. Yeah, we play it as a family quite often. So very enjoyable. It's-
0: Yes, and it's actually quite light. It's not a difficult game to to get to grips with. It's not one of these really hardcore skirmish games. It's it's, it's, it's quite good.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's why the thought was there to kind of you know um, leap into. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously personal opinion, but I think we're all kind of time poor these days um, with just how much activity we have going on in our lives. Um, so it and it can be hard to pin a group down together and, and say we have you know four or five hours per session tonight, whereas it would be good to say, actually, we can still run the same campaign, but in this cool kind of rule set that's really light and fast and might only take us an hour. So.
0: Mm. And then you have the shiny
1: one. Uh Yes, that's all gone. I'm very proud of that. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so that was uh, limited to 10 backers. We um, we wanted to give people the chance to have their artwork, their character artwork, storyline, and stats within the core book. So, um. Yeah, they, uh, limited to 10, but they all, they all sold out. I'm very, very pleased with That's pretty excellent. Now, um, I know that
0: this is a personal thing and I am usually, uh, I uh, tend to be a bit weary of, uh, Kickstarters that don't have a, a path laid out for the games later on what's in the future of kings of war for for this role-playing game once this kickstarter is finished because it, it is going to fund still you know 13 days to go yeah. and you are just under two thousand pounds short of the goal so yeah. what comes after this what's what are the plans for this game
1: um again it really depends on where we go with the kickstarter but uh, we are. It, um, I wanted to kind of again building into options give people options of ways to play so um, we have another version of the quick start coming with a different adventure in the, in the um, back section um, which will and that kind of ties into Mantic's upcoming board, new board game League of Infamy um, which is like reverse dungeon server so you kind of play the bad guys um, so we've yeah, we're producing that new quick start, which will give people the chance to play more mercenary style characters, um, which both of those will lead into campaigns then for people to be able to play in, in a couple of different ways. Um, and again, like I say, it's hopefully giving people options to say, we can go and play as the heroes and have this uh, fun within this um, nice sandbox campaign over here, or we can um, maybe perhaps come play in the other campaign's as mercenaries. Um, and then, hopefully further down the line with, with kind of Mantic's approval, we'll look into expanding expanded bestiary. Um and we've been talking about um, ma- magic as well, uh, in the form of you know how items may work and, and how those, those can be crafted as well, so, um, definitely plans ahead.
0: Good, I like the sound of that. Well, I think we've covered pretty much everything, so now I think we should you know, wrap it up and, and unwind a little bit and just you know, go into a bit of a zen mode in here. So um, I, I have three more questions for you before we say goodbye. Uh, uh, the first question is, um, what's the best advice that
1: no one has ever given you? <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> probably just to get out there and meet people um, I, I, nobody kind of passed that advice on to me but it's it's really just um, it, just a chance to meet people and, and where there's opportunities I might need it's you know just just kind of follow that that opportunity to get yourself to conventions and say hello to people and, and um, just just talk I think um, I was never given that advice but it's, it's really um, really helped me kind of get where I am now definitely
0: Wow, you know, that is one of the quickest answers to that questions I have ever received. <laughs> okay, the question number two. Um, what's the best mistake that you would like to make again? Ooh,
1: um... From my entire lifetime? Yeah. Um, wow, best mistake I'd like to make again. Um... I would probably say putting my application to the the army on hold. Um, yeah, it kind of it it seemed like a mistake at the time, but it, it definitely helped me um, gain some life skills before I joined the army. So yeah, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yes, it does, it does indeed. And last but not least, imagine you have a time machine so you can go back in time and you meet your 10-year-old self and you tell your 10-year-old self, do not do this.
1: What is this? <laughs> I there are probably so many options. Um, it would, I would say it would be... I don't know why I'm related to the army every time, but do not leave the army when I when I chose to leave the army. Um, just hang on two years.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, that's that's very good advice, uh, Mark. Um, seriously, thank you very much indeed for for being with me today. Um, I I am genuinely liking how Kings of War is shaping. I like the system uh, quite quite a lot, like the cinematic possibilities that the tricord system has to offer, and the universe of you know. The Mantic universe should be pretty rich, so I can foresee a huge amount of very, very cool material and everything that the Kickstarter is going to fund because you're nearly there now. Um, So I hope that we're going to hear an insane amount about this game in the years to come. Yeah,
1: thank you, Michael. So, thank you so much for having me on. and a big, big fan of yours in the background for a, for a, a good few years. Um, thank you. And and the cause you your champion as well. Thank you uh, very much. That, that's very much appreciated. No, I, like I say it's, it's been very rewarding to to um, have your very kind words about the system. <laughs> right.
0: I will very hopefully talk to you again very soon. Yes. Thank you, Paco. And that was the interview, which I hope you enjoyed, and I hope that you found that Kings of War has something to offer you because I really think it does. It's um, The system is, is quite simple to use, it's quite simple to teach, it's quite simple to adapt to whatever it is you want to do, and the universe is quite wide and available. And with all the minis and all the games that can support these role playing games, it should make for a very, very interesting experience, or at least. I hope it will be for you as well. Thank you very much indeed for being there. Please leave me your comments. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GMS Magazine. You can also send an email at podcast at gmsmagazine.com. Find us in Facebook, also on the GMS Magazine page. The music, the starting music is Astral Doors, and the song is London Caves. And... The outro music is Shade from the video game Omega Boost and I will talk to you again very very soon.